Okay, then, Ed, so this isn't the question for this week, but it is a question that I have for you, and it's, is the best way to learn by doing something? Is the best way to learn by doing something? That's an interesting question. I I would agree, personally, for me, if I go out and if I want to learn something until I've done it with my hands, um, I, I probably won't be able to feel confident in doing that thing. So like, if someone t- teaches you something and then I haven't actually done it myself, it may all well and good having all that knowledge, but I don't think I'd uh, I'd actually understand what was properly going on until I'd done it myself. And that's what my old guitar teacher used to tell me, the difference between knowing something in the head and knowing it in the hand. It's like having read about it versus like actually building some muscle memory. And I think that muscle memory is very often mentioned in sort of conjunction with actually using actual muscles but um i think it applies to cerebral things as well i think to particularly with code like you need to have built something in order to be able to build it again yeah and obviously and like uh, playing an instrument or something the more you do something the more you get familiar with it the easier it becomes and becomes second nature to take the musical example if you practice your scales loads that doesn't mean you're just good at playing scales now that means you can take that knowledge and and use it to be able to pick up songs quicker and play faster in other areas of music as well as just doing those scales so there's not any kind of teachery insights that are sort of different to that you know like that is built that is that something that was built into your teacher training i think so yeah but there's um there's also the thing the the myth of uh different types of learner aren't there the uh vac is it vac visual audio kinetic i think is the uh the saying Oh, I've not come across that one before. There used to be a train of thought in teaching that either students were would only learn visually or only learn by listening or only learn by doing. And you had to do your lesson plans so that you were you knew this, which students had which ability and you were planning towards them. But that's a load of rubbish. <laughs> yeah, I noticed you said myth. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's a load of rubbish. And kind of everyone's got different kind of levels of those so there might be some people that don't necessarily need to do loads of stuff kinesthetically uh, and actually physically do it but um i think still you still have to have all three of those strands to be able to pick up something effectively yeah okay well with that little preamble out of the way i think that leads in nicely into the sort of topic that i thought we could talk about this week which is um yeah it's, it's all well and good saying well learn by doing but what should people be doing what should our listeners be building or you could even say, what are some good things to build? Yeah, exactly. When you were learning, did you did you always, did you build loads of stuff? Did you have a new website that you had up every day? <laughs> I don't know about that. I had I mean kind of discovered doing this by accident anyway. So I was building I was just trying to make a, a music blog for a project. Um and slowly wanted to customize that more. And it was like, oh well actually those buttons are in the wrong place. Or why can't the date be formatted in this way instead? So I slowly just did the tiny little bits it needed to um tweak the existing theme that I was using, which is kind of a preset website design essentially. I hadn't built it at all. I just kind of downloaded it and installed it and run it. So I just started tweaking and then was continually tweaking so those little tweaks came from a place of i have something specific i want to learn i want to do um and then i had to work out how to make that happen um so that that was like the first year of my coding was all that essentially but then when i like (laughs) reached the point where i decided that i knew enough that i could make the leap into being a freelance web developer and web designer then i discovered 
just how much I didn't know. And that's when I had to actually start sort of picking things to build that were external to specific projects I was working on. Hmm. That's interesting because um, I I think I got I got into the trap of just going through loads of tutorials to begin with and not actually building stuff for myself. So I'd just be kind of going through this tutorial, learning all this stuff, well, supposedly learning all this stuff and just following it and going, oh, this, oh, this all works perfectly, fantastic. I must be a developer now. And then as soon as I went and tried to do something myself, I don't have a clue what to do. And I, I still find I get that sort of thing today. Like if I'm looking at a new technology or a new language, I'll look through a tutorial, I'll run through it and think, oh yeah, I feel like I've got a hang of the syntax now. And then when I actually go and try and write something in it, that's when uh, I find the, it the most difficult. And that's when I, I generally learn the most about what I'm doing. I think my, my experience correlates with that exactly. I very quickly discovered how narrow the scope of a of tutorials, like most tutorials are, actually. They're very, like, if you follow along exactly, I mean, it might work. It's most likely to work. <laughs> but there's bound to be some little weird things. But as soon as your environment is slightly different from the whoever's running the tutorial, yeah, you, you encounter problems. Or as soon as you want to do something slightly different, slightly off, the track of what the tutorial is covering then that's where the real <laughs> that's where i think the real learning starts mm. but there's definitely a balance to be had there because you can't just go and try and build something before you know anything like you have to have a certain level of knowledge and it's like maybe it's a third of the way through tutorial you then go off and do your own thing i, I, I guess it depends on each situation um but i find that if you're just following a tutorial like rote for rote then you're not going to actually pick that much up unless maybe you're taking notes and then you go and revise them but generally that's not how code's written and that's not how uh, products are built it's by people actually kind of starting to do stuff yeah i wonder if we should maybe break it down into what are good things for someone who's literally just starting to do and then maybe branch out into well, what some people might call side projects but like learning exercises little things to build for people who have a little bit more experience who are kind of slightly further on in their journey yeah i guess for people who want to learn a new language or a new framework or something with a base knowledge of being able to code as well so yeah i think i guess that's good we'll start off with the kind of the stuff that me and you probably started off with give some people some ideas and then we can have the next step what you do after you kind of have a good baseline and you can you want to build on top of that yeah all right so should we start off with uh, I, I can talk about some of the things that i did when i was learning yeah so yeah how did you what so when you it sounds like you started almost exclusively with tutorials what what things did you do to break out of that loop i, th I think similar to what you were saying at first you kind of just you you follow the tutorial through and then you think oh it wouldn't it be nice if i could just change that little bit or do that little thing to make it my own. So, for example, I was doing the code uh, codecademy.com, and uh, one of the tasks is to create a battleship simulation. Um, so the game Battleship, where you... So the, the, the kind of B3, oh, you sunk it, set up. Yes, yeah, that right, where you've got the little uh, plastic ships, is what I was saying, yeah. Um, so I, I was building that in the command line. So every go, it would come up with dots uh, where all the spaces are. And then if you, you type in your move and if you got a hit, then the, the dot would change to a little cross. So instead of being physical, it was made on the computer. So that there was like a very basic implementation of that where you could only have, I think you could only have your boats 
I don't think that might be the rules anyway, but you could only have your boats vertically and horizontally and you only had a certain number of goes. So I took that onto my own machine and then I started uh, expanding on it. So I added a little like score counter for the games and I, I think I added diagonal boats in, even though that might not be, that might be <laughs> against the rules. But I, I was just playing around with the code to make it more interesting and to make it something that's a bit more personal and not just exactly what's on the tutorial. So that's kind of how I started off getting into making things for myself. So I'd take what's already there, the baseline of the basic app or whatever you've been working on, and then just try and tweak little things about it. I guess like you did with your websites where you wanted to change just maybe like a button or you, you changed like how big a picture was, for example. With the command line and with Python stuff, you can do the same. You can kind of, you can play around with some variables and numbers and see how the app changes. And then from there, you can kind of expand into different things and then that's when you have to start going and googling stuff and that's when you pick up a lot of things that you wouldn't have from just doing the tutorial from there i think i just started building some little command line apps for myself so just like very simple things just to like to work out costs of a holiday for example that you put in your how much the airplane is and the hotel and taxis and buses or whatever and you can just change those prices and then it gives you the final price. So you can kind of see how much you're going to spend for the whole holiday. Whereas that is a very simple thing. It's been done millions of times before, but it's just that doing something that's relevant to you and that's going to help help you out as well enables you to have more motivation to get it done. Yeah, I think it's it's good to stress that it do, you don't have to be particularly original at this point. I mean, like you're, that little holiday cost calculator, I mean, spreadsheets have existed for a long time but that's no reason not to build it because you've got something that you're interested in immediately and that you can it's within the scope of what you can achieve with the knowledge that you had at that point and it's a great way to sort of practice those skills while at the same time doing something that you find useful yeah exactly when i did the coding club uh, when i used to teach um we had kind of a text-based adventure game and then kind of the kids that were getting further ahead i'd be like well what if you wanted to add this or if you wanted to add this uh, maybe you wanted to add a map to it or you wanted to have some areas where there's enemies in there and then you can kind of gradually build up multiple things and i, I think we talked about i don't know if it was last week or maybe two weeks ago like facebook didn't start as the fully fledged thing it is today it's fine to start off with something really small and simple and then gradually add to it to make it uh, seem like it's a lot more fully functional. Yeah, I completely agree. It's really interesting to see the difference in your, even at that early stage, that your projects kind of tend more towards what I would think of as perhaps back-end. Like you're doing things that have a very specific utility and aren't particularly visual. I mean, the game stuff with the code, with the code club is different from that but uh my all from my direction everything was i mean i start i learned css before i learned anything else um well css and html i guess but it was all i was worried about was layout and i didn't care about anything massively you know functional beyond that i was just trying to make i thought of myself as a designer and was trying to make the sites that i was building look nicer yeah i, I found the the cli the command line stuff I just found it was kind of spoke to me a bit more and I enjoyed doing Python. I think I messed around with HTML and CSS and I just couldn't get anything that looked particularly nice in a, <laughs> in a quicker time as possible. Whereas with like a command line thing, it's, it's, you can get, you can get something working in 10 minutes. And what I really liked was the constant feedback that you get from it. And I guess you get this when you're doing your visual stuff as well, but I could just change a line of code, run it again and then see what, see how that changed the code and then, go back, change another line of code, uh, I could gradually build it up to get it working. 
Yeah, yeah it's the, I think it's the same process whether you're working out like the mechanics of a for loop or you're wrestling with the fundamentals of the box model in the DOM. Um, I think even with, whether I mean I was wrangling pixels and margins and paddings and and working out like how do I get these things to be positioned. I mean, don't get me started on position float. That was like <laughs> the biggest hurdle I had when I first learned to code. I wish I'd I wish I'd learned now when things are so much much more standardized and, and useful. Um, but it's the same level of problem solving that you've got when you're attacking something in the command line as well, or building a little CLI. That's it's yeah yeah different verticals, but the same. Oh, I don't know where that's going, but it's different sides of the same coin for sure. Yeah. Different, they're the same size problems essentially, just in different domains. Yeah, and I, I, I still can't. To be honest, my HTML and CSS isn't particularly great. Um, I can whip something together, but it's not, it's not something that uh, keeps me up at night. Yeah, but I think it should. I mean, if we look talking about things that beginners should learn, if you want to be involved in the web, you should, that should like your very first project is a no brainer. It should be a website. I think. Yeah, I completely agree. Yeah, and then I guess it depends what you want to do. The kind of where you're, where you think your career is going to go, or just the stuff that interests you, the stuff that you're going to be motivated to actually build those things. Hmm. Yeah. Um, so, what would you say would the be? Have you got anything in mind when you think of the characteristics of a good side project? So, say we're talking to a listener who has built their first website and they have like a grasp of the the basic fundamentals of a, of the language that they've chosen. They know. Like a little, know how to do a little bit. What should they be looking for in a project? Are there abstract qualities that would be useful to them when determining whether to do something or not? Yeah, I suppose all the, the stuff that we mentioned already. So maybe stuff that's kind of relevant to what you want to do. I guess, yeah, so relevant to what you want to do, but also can have been done before. Uh, it doesn't have to be, you don't have to be reinventing the wheel here. You're just creating something that's kind of personal to you um, it may have been done hundreds of times before, but it doesn't matter. It's something that will still perhaps be useful to you. I feel like you get a bit more satisfaction out of that uh, when you're doing it as well. Yeah. So not to pick at perhaps an already sore wound, but what do you think there's anything to be learned from the weather app that we did? That like I think that didn't work, and I wonder if we often say you can learn more from failure than you can from success. What do you think were the characteristics of that that weren't that made it unsuitable to be a good learning exercise for us uh yeah i think it was uh, it was too wide in scope wasn't it so i think when you've got a project you need to have something that is kind of small enough or has small enough chunks that you can kind of work away at and see a result fairly quickly if you're working at something for months on end and you, you still can't use it that's going to be pretty demoralizing you want to have something that you can just work on those little chunks like we talked about a couple of weeks ago uh, when we were talking about mvps you want to have those little things that you can actually use straight away and then once you've got that you can build on that and you can add to it and it's going to be more motivating because you've got something that actually works and then you can gradually see the little extra features that you're adding to it. So I think that was, that was one of the, probably the main problem with our weather app was it may have been useful, it may have been interesting, um, but the, the scope of it was a bit too wide, I think, for the amount of time we had to give to it. Yeah, so if we're recommending or if we're giving tips to someone picking a project, it's keep it within the realms of what is achievable in a short time frame. Yes, yeah, I think that that tallies completely with all my experience. I, I feel like every everything that I've 
done that has been a sort of short, like, oh, yeah, this little specific problem, I can have a go at solving that now. That's been a really useful experience. The ones where I'm like, oh, I'm going to learn a whole new language just for the fun of it. <laughs> very very open-ended. It's like, oh, I don't know what I'm going to build, but I'll build something. It'll be fun. That's always ended in like nothing much to show for my time and effort. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And um, also, when you're starting out, you should just expect yourself to use what you're creating. Don't worry about other people. Just do it for yourself. Uh, create something that is a one-user application or a one-user website to begin with. Um, and that way you don't have like the pressure of worrying about other people using it and having to put in loads of auth- authentication and all the additional things that you need if someone else is going to use it. Just worry about get something working for yourself. Yeah, I think that the a, a parallel to that is that it has to be useful for just yourself. I wouldn't try and... like. I wouldn't set out to to build a network or uh, and yeah I'm going to build the new social a new social network and it's going to be amazing. I don't think that's a useful small learning task because it's reliant on like almost the marketing side of things and like the like the uptake and whether people will actually use it or not. To be like if it, like a social network for instance completely relies on network effects and that's not something you can guarantee your baby steps code. MVP is going to uh, be able to generate. Mm. So I think we've kind of covered definitely like what you would do in the beginning stages of learning and some of the projects. Uh, just to reiterate, I think we should. I think you should just start a tutorial, but not necessarily finish it. Don't worry about finishing every tutorial to start. Take away some knowledge and then try and do something yourself. That's an interesting concept. Yeah, I think there are there's generally in every tutorial. There's, I mean, that some maybe they're a bit like business books in that there's like one or two really useful things in there, but they might be front loaded. They might. It's not like reading a novel where the really exciting stuff happens at the end. It's probably you. They're going to put the good stuff up front. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, never thought about that. <laughs> um. So, what do you think might be a good thing for maybe someone who's a bit more advanced, um, has been coding for a little while. What sort of, or what do you, what am I, what sort of side projects are useful these days? Um, it's the, the the canonical example that everyone comes to uh, is uh, making a to do app, um, and it, it's. I mean, I think. To, yes. Yeah, I know. Yeah, <laughs> and it, the, the to do MVC project has had a lot had a big hand in this, but I think it's a staple for a reason. It really it's just enough interactivity to you have to kind of have maintain a list of of tasks you have to mark mark state for them you have to visualize that all in some way but it's something you can do in an afternoon if you're not mucking about you can see results fairly quickly and it's complex complex enough that you're going to learn something so i mean if people aren't familiar with to do mvc it's essentially a to do app tutorial that's built in every different language or I suppose every different front-end framework. So there's like an Angular and a, and a React version and a Vue version of, of to-do MVC, which is trying to explain the model view controller way of building an application in those different frameworks so that you can have a grasp of what concepts are similar between them and what is different from framework to framework, which I think is a useful uh, bit of information to have anyway. Like That's good muscle memory. Mm. I think that's definitely a good idea, especially if you're trying to learn a new language, is to kind of recreate something that you've built already. So you kind of you know what you're aiming to achieve. You know the code way of doing it. So the, the only difference you're going to see is how that particular language does things differently. Yeah. Like there's someone that sits next to me at work 
every time he's looking at a new language, he has the um. I, I don't know if you've ever played Doom. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You know the the fire that comes up at the beginning. Uh-huh. He he recreates that in every language that he's learning. So he he obviously knows how to make it, but he then gets to see kind of all the quirks and all the different things that particular languages have to do that. Um, so I think as like the to do MVC, you kind of have maybe find one thing that you really enjoy making or that is really useful, and then you can cross that over different frameworks or different languages. That's a really good uh, way of looking at it. I think that's a really interesting project as well because obviously it's very small, it's very contained. The complicated bit, which is like how do I solve this specific problem with with a computer, is almost already solved because you know it. You've done it a few times. It's fine. What you're working out in that scenario is the specifics of the new problem that you've introduced into the mix, which is, in this case, the new language. Um, I, th- I guess yeah. the equivalent that I use would be like graphing stuff, like drawing a little line chart. Um, I've done that in all sorts of different ways, mostly within JavaScript and JavaScript frameworks, but that's generally my go-to kind of, oh, that's the thing, I, I enjoy making them anyway. That's something I like to, like, I know the different bits that can be complicated, and but all the whole picture of like how to how to produce a graph i know how to do it so learning how to do it in a different scenario it's the scenario that you're learning rather than the actual thing that you're building mm. yeah definitely and that's you you're, you're getting the for example in the doom one you're getting the how to get that language running on your computer how do you get graphical things working if that's what you're interested in how do you what's like the, what's the architecture around that language and the syntax as opposed to how do I make this app or how do I create this thing? It's all the it's the per- peripheral stuff that you're getting. Yeah, and it's all the stuff that you would have to fight your way through if you just said, oh, I'm going to follow the tutorials and learn the language by reading the documentation and continuing on that way. Um, but with the added impetus of a defined goal and something sort of small that you can achieve in a reasonable amount of time and the boring stuff which is the setup and the the obstacles and the oh this thing this dependency isn't installed and that's not working and oh i haven't got my head around the syntax yet and all of that is just small steps on the way to achieving your goal so in your mind it's you're always work, working towards something and it's an entertaining process for me anyway i find in that scenario no yeah i agree with you um, I don't have one of those yet. I'll probably find something eventually. I haven't got something that uh, I have been recreating, but I think it's a, something I'm going to look out for so that I can do it in the future. Yeah, I mean, this, this is a lot of this is kind of academic, like the pure good way to to approach these kind of problems. I mean, I have never once built a to do app. <laughs> I think me neither. I, me neither. Yeah, oh, no, no, no. I lie. I lie. I did one in Backbone. Uh, once as an onboarding exercise into a new language into using background which is a js framework which is horrible i don't miss working with that at all um so i did one in an afternoon there but uh have these ideas of like oh a single thing that i want to build in all different languages you don't have you don't have to be completist about this it's like the same as we were saying about tutorials get the bit that you want out of it and then cast aside the wider concept you don't have to build something in every single different language and you don't have to do the same thing every time as long as yeah. you I mean, what we're trying to suggest is things from is for when people are hitting a roadblock and just don't know what to do next i think that's where this kind of framework these kind of ideas can be useful hmm. it might be a good idea to uh 
list some of the things that we've built. Uh, people might get some ideas of the sort of things that they could do. Yeah, sure. Um, well, we've already kind of touched on my music blog to start with, but my first like websites that I built were band websites for musicians, um, and that was that was a really good learning curve because, or a learning really good learning experience because they're not having to do anything too complicated, but there are enough complexities in there to make it a useful thing to learn because you've got to like uh display events and you've got to store data and there's going to be there's some kind of like maybe there's a store if you're getting really advanced but if it's just an information page for a, for some musicians or a band that's a, that's a kind of you don't have to worry too much about the content you can just focus on the technical problem of actually putting a website together was this for for bands you knew personally or did you just did you recreate the Coldplay website or something oh no yeah this was this was for people i this was for people i knew um i mean the complete distraction but we were trying to set up a record label of our own at the time that's how i got into making making websites because i realized that i wasn't ever going to make any money <laughs> selling records but <laughs> in the meantime i built all these uh, websites for people so actually people pay money for that yeah and i guess you got the added impetus there of people like you say paying you money and expecting some sort of product <laughs> or some sort of result at the end yeah um so what sort of things have you been building um, well, after my initial playing around with like my battleships uh, command line thing, I, I did actually I did make the jump to websites, and mainly using Bootstrap, the old favourite, and mm-hmm. Flask. <laughs> I uh, I created some things that were kind of like we've been talking about, useful to me. I created a, a scales application where you can see all the different scales that you need for a certain grade that you're doing when you're learning and but it shows them randomly so i I came across a problem in my life of wanting to have that sort of thing pop up and then say yes i've done that yes i've done that yes i've done that in a random order um and so i i built something around that and also the while not as fully fledged um the my rugby table so keeping track of the english rugby premiership scores was just an interesting problem i had to deal with getting scraping data from a website and then keeping that data in some format somewhere and then displaying that data um eventually i i did some little things with that data where i kind of turned it into graphs and it kind of drifted off a little bit then but that was when i was getting close to starting my new job so there was a lot going on and also you've got what you needed out of that project as well you you've kind of been interacting with an external data source you've been kind of gathering that together you've been building the graphs and tweaking them to make them useful i remember sort of seeing almost day by day the evolution of the graphs that you did there they were quite (laughs) as someone who plays with graphs myself i found that quite fun to watch um particularly when like the first iterations would have some pretty obvious like they weren't as pretty as they could be or they weren't necessarily (laughs) as useful as they could be but then seeing the iteration and how those those things were ironed out was, was very satisfying. And it must have been just as satisfying to have built, be the one building it. Yeah. And like you say, though, there was a point where it became a lot of work for not much more gain. I think I'd, I'd done the 80% of the stuff I could get out of it. And then if I was going to carry on with it, it was could become a real thing and it would take up a lot more of my time to make it kind of put that final polish on it. Um, and I think that's kind of where it died out. Yeah, I and mean, then it depends on the on what you're interested in as well. I mean, a lot of things I was interested in the polish and nothing else. So a lot of the projects that I worked on for fun, I did within uh, a site like CodePen or Code Sandbox. I mean, CodePen was the one I used because that kind of sets you up with an environment where you can just write HTML and CSS and it displays really nicely and you can share that with people and you can like be part of a community with it. I found that really useful. I did and then got in I kind of went deep on like illustrating things in 
in just using CSS and HTML, which is, I mean, it's been a while since I've done it and it's got to new heights now. People are doing amazing things with CSS that makes my early attempts look pretty pretty basic. But at the time, they were fairly impressive. I don't know if I could say that about things that I've made myself. But they, I mean, they help. I mean, this is a very good example of, like, those helped me get jobs because I put them in my portfolio and I shared them to people. And people who knew about CSS were like, oh, actually, that, that is very impressive. You have to know a lot to be able to do that. Yeah, I don't think, I don't think it's... I don't think it's necessary to compare yourselves to other people that have done similar technologies to you because there'll always be people that have more time that have been doing it for longer that can do more complicated things than you. I think you've got to just compare it to what did I do yesterday? Am I getting better today? Etc. as you go along. Well, I mean, we've already said it in this episode and I've already found myself guilty of not not paying attention to it, which is, it's easy to fall into that trap of saying, oh, this has been done before or this has been done better, so I shouldn't bother doing it. But actually, no. That's completely irrelevant. What is important is your personal skills and how much you're improving those. So I hope there's some kind of useful things you can, as a listener, you can take away. Um, Hopefully some of our projects might inspire you, but I would generally try and find something in your life that you want to build or that you could, you can see a gap in the market for something simple that you can create with code. Yeah. um, And yeah, don't, and don't obsess over the the gap in the market thing. It's more important to, to just build something. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good a good point. Yeah, and it could be. I mean, a good example as well is before we go is to recreate a utility library. I mean, back in the day, you'd say one of the things I found really useful was doing my own version of. Um, I mean, when I started, jQuery was really useful, and it was really good at selecting DOM elements. So I built my own version like of that. Like I didn't want to use jQuery, so I'd built uh, an element selector sort of API, essentially a little object that would help me out with that. It was never perfect but it pointed me in the direction of like why is jquery useful in the first place what are the problems that it's solving how are they being solved under the hood so now i think if i wouldn't recommend anyone implement jquery but maybe look at a couple of lodash functions and either try and recreate them or yeah or just look unpick how they're built and put them back together again in your own in your own words so to speak and you can learn a lot from that Thanks a lot for listening. Uh, make sure you check us out on Twitter at AQO Code. And you can find us online at aqoc.dev. Make sure you are telling your friends about the podcast so we can help as many people as possible. And don't forget, you can ask us some questions uh, on our website as well. Yeah, we always love to hear from, from our listeners. And uh, particularly if you've got questions of your own, do do get, get in touch and, and tell us those. And we'll see you next week. Thanks a lot. Bye. See ya. See ya.